Thank you, team. Thank you, Pastor Nikki. Thank you to our worship team for leading us in that amazing time of worship. Come on, let's honor them. Oof. My uh, personal time with God uh, uh, always uh, is generally consumed uh, with other people um, and all that I do and uh, alongside each uh, time I get uh, something personal from God that doesn't seem to leave me uh, for quite a while. Uh, for example, in the, in the preparation of finding a building uh, for us as a family of God, uh, there was just one constant phrase that, that uh, God was telling me, and it was, Joe, unless the Lord builds the house. And I know the rest of the verse, it says, you will labor in vain. And uh, so it's something I had to lean into, and it's something that was a constant uh, reminder of Father to me. He's my dad, and he's our dad. And he loves us and he wants to look after us. And uh, the, the, uh, there's some other things that God's dealing with me at the moment and taking me through and things like that. And, uh, but one of those things uh, that has really had a profound effect on me of late uh, is the verse where Jesus said that when two or three of us gather, he will be there in their midst. And uh, Jesus promised us that. He said, when two or three of you gather, I will be there in the midst, in the middle of the room. And, uh, and it's just like, it's a verse that gets quoted all the time. It's something that as Christians, we, we claim it. And, uh, you know, all those sayings, we try and blab it and grab it. And, you know, like that we pray it and say it and all those things. But it's something that has really hit me uh, like a ton of bricks lately. And I've really been enjoying the revelation just from such a simple verse. And uh, it, it's taking me on this really roller coaster journey, if I'm honest. Um, uh, sometimes I get, I have a motion of anger that stirs up around uh, this idea, not at God, uh, at me and at human beings around me. Uh, sometimes I get sad and I feel really sad. And, uh, and then other times I just get overwhelmed. And this morning I got overwhelmed. And I was like, God, you're awesome. You're right here. You're with us. You love us. You're in the room. You want us. And I'm like, come on, this is amazing. And uh, so I, just, I wanted to share that with you because I want to encourage you in your own personal time when you're praying or when you're, when you're uh, spending time praying for others, whatever. Also ask God, God, is there, is there a truth? Is there something deep that you want to do with me that, that's going to uh, grow me as a human being? Because I know that the effect of this is not just going to be a more closer, more intimate, more enjoyable relationship with God, but I know it's going to have a positive impact on my life. I know it's going to help me uh, to be a better pastor, to be a better Christian, to be a better husband, to be a better friend as I recognize and understand and appreciate just how close he really, really is. And uh, that's my heart for you uh, before I get into my message this morning is to ask God, ask God for something that 
He can do a work in you on, and it might take a while. Uh, the, these, these personal things for me, um, it's not that I'm not learning, it's just I'm learning so much from, from, from a simple truth of Jesus. And that's my encouragement to you, is when you've, when you've heard something, go again. You go, God, what else is in this? What else can I get out of this? Pastor Mark told me one time of a sermon that he heard uh, Pastor T.G. Jakes preach in, in their church back in Adelaide. And uh, uh, he was like, you know, when I, this is T.D. Jakes telling Pastor Mark, he's like, when I first started preaching, you know, I had like 500 verses and I crammed them into my sermon and, you know, I tried to get as, as much in there. And he's like, now it's like I, I try and get through one verse. And he's like, I, I, read, I read a verse and like the first word just jumps out at me. And, and, and then there's like a, there's a five-part series right there, you know, just on the one word. And, uh, and, and it's so true. And, and his statement to Pastor Mark was, whenever you read, just, just keep tapping the scripture on the page and just keep digging in and just keep seeing. And that's my encouragement to you all this morning, church, is in your prayer time, have that same approach where, you, where you're like, you're digging for something and, and, and you dig and nothing's there. Well, I would encourage you to dig again and keep digging and keep going and keep trying to go deeper in that and just get all that you can out of it. Amen? That's my encouragement to you. All right. Uh, it is episode five of our Like Jesus series, part five of five today. We're wrapping it up. And uh, I've been so looking forward to do this one because it's, it's like the culmination. It's the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I'm praying it's going to propel us into a whole bunch of other really awesome, inspiring, challenging, encouraging words to see us uh, post-summit into the end of 2023. And uh, so today, I'm preaching what I've entitled, Live Like Jesus. Live like Jesus. And uh, there is the way that Jesus has for us to live. Let me start with my opening verse from John chapter 14. It says this, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love it when Jesus makes really bold statements, really clear statements. That it's punchy, it's concise, but it's got a whole lot in it. And my first point for today is this, that it's not a way, and it's not a life, and it's not a truth. It's not many ways to God, as some faiths like to promote. Jesus came along and made a statement that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. Now, I'm a very, very visual person. I can't help it, and it does not serve me well often. I visualize way too much when I think about things or whatever. Like, when I read a book, Jack, uh, especially uh, when I was, I, I don't read much anymore. I read the Bible only. I listen to all books now. I just finished another one. It was so good. And, uh, oh, man, yes, yeah, standing in the fire, incredible this uh a son of an fbi little side note anyways uh son of an fbi agent in america wrote uh i think it's 10 accounts of these christians that are living over in muslim countries that literally stand in the fire and and uh, off the premise of 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, there was another in the fire. They saw Jesus in there. And wow, what these people go through to have faith in Jesus. Mind-blowing. Anyways, uh, I can't help but see a movie. Hands up if you see movies when you read. Some of you? Like when you visualize it, yes? Okay, I've got a few, few other visuals in the room. Anyways, this is what it is for me. Like when I read books, people can like walk into the room, do stuff, walk out. Well, I would have no idea. Because I'm like in the book. Like I'm not reading it. I'm like, I'm in it. I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm like, I'm like hovering, watching it go. It is incredible. And uh, when I read this verse uh, many, 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 many years ago, I, I instantaneously got this visual of just like, you know, us at the end of the race, we're like running, we're just like, see Jesus, and he's there, he's welcoming us, and we just jump, we jump through him. It's like swan dive into heaven. Sorry, Dave. But that's not what Jesus meant. It's not like you've got to run through Jesus to get into heaven. It's like this giant big Jesus. And uh, like we all get to run and we run through him. He's like, heaven, yeah. Uh, that would be a fun entrance. And uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty convinced uh, that when we die our first death, it's going to be a pretty cool ride that we all then engage on to go into our eternal life. Uh, but that's not what it meant. It, 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 it means with Jesus, through him, meaning having relationship with him. That's what Jesus says is the only way for us to have eternal life. And uh, we're going to look at it a little bit closer uh, in a moment uh, with our, our core passage today uh, of the rich young ruler. But uh, before we jump into it all, I want to make a couple of statements and then we're going to pray. To live one way, seeing a set of results, consequences and rewards and hoping or expecting another without implementing any change is the way of a fool. Jesus has a way for us to live and it's the best way. It's the blessed way. And if you want to have eternal life and also an abundant life for now, it is in fact the only way to live. Your life is better with Jesus. I promise you, and if you've been Christian for a long time, you either recognize that or you, you, you've started to wander uh, with the allure of other stuff going on. Well, my encouragement today, today is to come back to God because He is the best way, He's the blessed way, and He's the only way. And can I tell you this morning, there's more for you. If you're a child of God, there's more for you. And if you're not a child of God, there's a lot more for you, and it's all found in Jesus. There is more for you. There's more for us. There's more for our church. There's more for the body of Christ. There is more for our community to see. There is so much more of Jesus for you and for me. And can I tell you that as we gather and worship and encounter His will and His way, we get to see more and more every day. And uh, my statement, Jesus is the answer. It's a statement of truth. I want to encourage you to lean into that. Well, let's pray as we open up the Bible today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is alive, it's active, and Lord, you love us. You've got good plans for us, and God, I, I ask that today we would be stirred up, that we would be inspired, Lord God, that we would be encouraged and equipped to do what you have asked us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said? Amen. 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 
Um, have you ever, uh, quick story, have you ever gone to a help desk and been served by a very unhelpful person? How many, how many limbs can we all throw up? Honestly, I mean, the worst is a, is a telephone help person. <laughs> oh, there's like a crash course on how not to be helpful. I'm, I'm convinced of it. It's, yes, honestly, I, I'm convinced uh, that those people are the ones that stop at roundabouts. <laughs> flow, peoples, flow. Be good to the people behind you. It's called merge like a zip when you're coming onto the highway. Don't stop. Oh, my gosh. I always crashed behind this person one day as they were stopped on an entrance to a 100-kilometer highway. You don't stop and give way. You merge like a zip. Flow, people. Well, anyways, they, that, that's part of the prerogative. Have you ever stopped at a roundabout? Come on, welcome to the help desk team. You're in. It's like, I'm convinced it's a prerequisite. Anyways, you go out and you're just like, you ask for directions and they don't know. It's unbelievable. It's the worst. Or, or, or you're at a help desk to get help and you have an issue. They should be able to problem solve. That should be a prerequisite to being on a help desk. Uh, just recently, I went through McDonald's. It was late at night. Our baby had just gone to sleep in the back. I put my order in, got a few things for Yvana, a few things for me. We had an hour and a half journey to get home. I wanted a coffee to make sure I didn't fall asleep and we had our playlist ready. and We were excited and I put my order in. And I come through and I even check my order. It is correct. I pay for my order. I get to the next window and one of the grey shirt people is serving me. Now, if you know a thing or two about McDonald's, the grey shirt people are managers. They've been promoted to this position. They have shown skills worthy of being elevated to a position of management. She hands me my bag of food. I start to dig into it as I do it every drive through now because there is always something wrong. For example, every single potato and gravy at KFC that is meant to be swapped for gravy only is always not swapped. Unbelievable. Anyways, this lady hands me my bag of goodies and I start digging it out. Some for you, Vana, some for me. Pop it in the door, the drink, my soda water, my coffee over here. And Where's the ice cream? Ivana wanted an ice cream. It's like, oh, we're missing our small chocolate sundae. And then I realize there's an additional burger in the bag. I'm like, maybe this is my bag. And then I look at the other one. It's like, no, it's got my tweaks and changes because I like to add stuff to my burgers. You know, bacon is good on everything in Jesus' name. Right? <laughs> and I tell her, oh, um, we're missing a small uh, chocolate sundae. And she's like, oh, that's not on your list. I was like, well, I'm sorry, but it was on my list. And I ordered it and I paid for it. And, uh, and she goes, oh, well, you, you don't have it. Um, you know, uh, can, you, can you come in? I was like, no, I cannot get out of my car and come in. And uh, she's like, oh, well, well you know. Uh, and then I said, as she's stumbling around what to, what to do, I was like, simple, just go get a cho small chocolate sun and give it to me. <laughs> I was like, it's super simple here. Like, I'm a customer. Now, I didn't move. That's the first key. Because all the cars lining up behind you, 
they're trying to get you through to serve the next one. So, <laughs> park. Listen here, lady. Smile, my wife. It's a small chocolate sundae. I also have an additional burger I did not order. She's like, oh, really? Well, your order is the first on the screen. And as you can see, so it says a triple cheeseburger. I was like, well, your screen is wrong because I didn't order a triple cheeseburger, but I did order a small chocolate sundae. And she's like, oh, well, can you just have the cheeseburger? I was like, no, I cannot have the, yeah, you feel me? I cannot have the cheeseburger. I've got a burger. I want the chocolate sundae. And uh, so maybe, maybe you could just give it to me. It's like, oh, no, what you'll have to do is you'll have to drive around and line up again. <laughs> it's getting comical. I couldn't believe it at this point. I'm like, no, I will not go and drive around to the end of the line and line up again <laughs> to get my small chocolate sundae. Steve, I've, you are feeling my pain right now. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? This is mind-blowing, people. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> Management, may I remind you? So then I start problem solving for her and suggesting some solutions to the issue that has happened. Maybe I could give you back the burger I didn't order and, and that could, you know, maybe of equivalent value, you could give me a chocolate sundae because she wanted me to go to pay for another one. No, 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 that's not how customer service works. Okay, so I'll give you a burger and she's like, oh, okay. And, and then she asked if I could come in. I said, my baby is in the back asleep. I will not be parking the car and coming into the store. And I said, let's just swap some items here. It went to a moment of bartering exchange, food for food. Yes, everyone's shaking their heads. Thank you, you're with me. Mind-blowing. The most unhelpful management ever. I, I have ever, I've experienced some unhelpful people in my time. But uh, this was next level. Anyways, you and I are supposed to be helpful people to the world around us, showing them the way. You could consider yourself today employed by Jesus as a help desk person. Yes, ready to do your best to help people to find the way where they need to go. That is the greatest calling today for you and for me. You see, where there is a way to live, and I want to encourage you today to live like Jesus as we wrap up our entire series, shine like Jesus, judge like Jesus, love like Jesus, lead like Jesus, and live like Jesus. Jesus has the best way. And we see in the gospel some incredible moments of how he lived of what he did and the impact that it had, not only on the people around him, but on society. It was shifting a whole nation of people so much that it was causing a great ruckus, lots and lots of crowd moments and lots of lots of people going, what this guy says is different. What this guy has for us, it's awesome. And they wanted him, they wanted more of him. And I'm convinced that the real Jesus is still who the people around us truly desire and truly want. And I know that he is standing, as Revelation tells us, at the heart of every human being, knocking and hoping and waiting. And it says that I want to come in and I want to dine with them and I want to be their friend. I love that. And if people knew that, they'd probably love that too. 
Some things that Jesus did when he was living. Well, he made some statements. I really like these two. He came not to be served, but to serve. He came to give life, life abundant. Church, Sunday must not be our goal. Sunday must not be where we contain our Christianity to. If anything, there should be more Christianity being experienced in our lives Monday to Saturday. Sunday is like the... It's like the platform for the week. Get us ready to propel us into all that God has for us to do. It's also like a rallying point. We stir each other up. We help each other get excited. We unlock each other. We worship together. And we spend time encouraging and being encouraged. Come to church to give, to receive, to bless, to be blessed, to encourage, to be encouraged. It is the purpose of today. I hope that by the end of 2023, you experience from this moment on more testimonies Monday to Saturday than you do on Sunday. And that you're not waiting, but you're getting ready and you're bringing testimonies to Sunday so that you can encourage one another, you can stir each other up because you're more focused on Monday to Saturday. Sunday needs to be a day for the Lord a day where you prioritize your relationship with Jesus. And as you gather together in this room, whatever church you want to go to, just go to a church because I'm convinced it's the best place for us to be as a family of God on a Sunday once a week, coming together, helping each other, being helped, getting into His presence together. There is power in communion. Come ready for all that God has for us. Today, I felt to share, like I said before, about the rich young ruler, to share from a moment in Jesus' ministry that I actually find profoundly sad. And it, and it impacts me when I, when I read this story. I'm going to read it together. It's going to be on the, on the screen for us. It says, that as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied. I feel like it should say the man interrupted. Uh, because Jesus didn't finish all of the commandments. Anyways, the guy gets in to the conversation. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. It's like a pause moment, isn't it? Looking at him. Jesus just loved the guy as he loves every single human being. And he realized that there was something blocking him from the real answer that he was looking for. He said, there's still one thing that you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad, for he had many possessions. In genuine love, Jesus looked at this guy and gave him the answer to his question. 
that there's something blocking him from taking the answer. Jesus could see it. He could see there was something stopping him from having a full, close, deep, intimate, quality relationship with God. But in this moment, Jesus feels genuine love for him. He really wants him to get this. You see, the the guy had been thinking that his works were, were good and that his works were the things that were going to get him into eternal life. But as we know, it's not about works. It's not about being good. Because even our really good works are generally not so good. And uh, are they really good? Are they God good? And Jesus said, well, you know all the commandments. You have to live following me. You have to live in relationship with me. And then he puts it another way. He says, look, there's still one thing. Go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Because see, following Jesus' ways had not caused this man to cross over into personal relationship with eternal life. And so Jesus said that there's something blocking you from following me. And Jesus could see it for this guy. This is a profound moment for this man. Not only was there an opportunity for this guy to have become an incredible leader right there and then in that moment and probably moving forward. You see, the guy clearly had a lot of wealth, a rich young ruler and also a lot of life to live in front of him. Imagine what he had to do to get to where he was at that point and giving being given an opportunity by Jesus to become a philanthropist, to become a giver, to become someone who would have been remembered with a legacy of someone who is prioritizing God, a greater treasure, a greater truth, a greater way, a greater gift over what he had. Imagine the influence that that young ruler could have had. And not only that, but he would have had eternal life. You see, Jesus did answer the guy. He told him to come and follow him. And who is Jesus? The way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through Jesus. He literally gave him the answer. You want eternal life? Here it is. It's me. The young man asked a question, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, me. Follow me. Remove the thing that is stopping you from engaging in relationship with me. But he couldn't do it. But Jesus answered. I love that. 
with genuine love. Church, can I tell you a couple of things this morning? You can't get more than Jesus. You can't get better than Jesus. And it's not about what you can do. It's not about your works. It's about simply having relationship with Jesus Christ that gives you access to eternal life. As you then walk in relationship with Jesus, all that you then do for the least of these, all that you then do for those around you builds rewards and treasures for you in heaven that no one can take away from you. So this morning, think on the things that currently are separating you from Jesus. Think on the things that are holding you back from fully entering into a life of following Jesus. Anything you think you need, you can achieve. Can I tell you that the real calling on your life is not only a whole lot easier, but it's better when you lean in with Jesus. So I've got five things I want to help us deal with out of this this morning. Barriers, potential barriers to do life with Jesus. Number one, worry. I want to help us with a couple of things to deal with worry. Because the Bible just makes some statements and and it simply says, don't worry. It's easier said than done, my friends. Don't worry. Okay, no problem. I won't worry. I mean, have have you ever walked into a really difficult circumstance in life and, uh, and you just read that encouraging verse in the Bible, don't worry. Oh, yeah, okay, I won't worry. Yeah, it's just so easy and so natural not to worry. <laughs> yeah, said so no one ever. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, don't worry about anything. <laughs> okay, not just some things, anything. Okay, Lord, don't worry about anything. Instead, okay, gives us, some, gives us a start <laughs> to an answer. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. It's actually, it's actually very contextual to the Lord's Prayer. As, as Jesus taught us how to pray, He said, Hallowed be your name, lift up your faith in God, remind yourself of who God is, of what He's done, of what He can do, and then ask for what you need. Well, our writer here to the church, to the Philippians, to the church in Philippi, Paul tells us, Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Because when we remind ourselves of what He has done, it helps us to start to worry a little bit less. I love the promise that we're given here. If we do this, if we start to pray to God, when we start to worry about things in our life and we thank Him for what He's done, we get a reward. It says, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Excuse me. Jesus put it like this in his famous preach on the mount. He said, don't worry about everyday life. Don't worry about food and drink and clothes. Don't worry about stuff, essentially. Can any of your worries add a single moment to your life? Worry robs us. Worry robs us of faith. It robs us of life. 
it robs us of stress less, stress-free walking day by day with Jesus. Don't worry. Pray and ask God. God wants you to pray because he wants to do life with you. Um, sorry, uh, Connor, can you either pull down the uh, time so I can see that? Or Nikki, can you pass my phone up to me, please? Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. You see, faith, faith builds us. Worry robs us. Growing faith and activating faith, it builds you up for a moment to help you walk out something that might be very difficult to walk out. Rather than being overwhelmed and consumed by what is causing you to worry, we direct our attention onto Jesus. We start to remind ourselves of who he is, of what he can do. We start to engage in that prayer time and peace starts to flow. It's a gift of our relationship as we walk the life of Jesus, as we walk his way. Check this out. Let it stir you and let it encourage you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 34. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I love the wisdom of Jesus. There is a way to do life in balance. And as we follow Jesus in every area of our life, we can engage in the way that Jesus asked us to live. Jesus is not having a go here at unbelievers. He's just saying that's something that they have to struggle with. And it's something that you don't have to. There's access for all humanity to do life the way Jesus says, so that you no longer have to worry. So you no longer have to be dominated by the issues of stuff of this time. Number two, money. It's a blessing for now. Let me encourage you with that. Money, it is a blessing for now. We don't need it in eternal life. We actually only need money for now. And money can't be the goal. And inheritance should be the goal, yes. But not just financial inheritance, spiritual inheritance. Raising up an inheritance for your children's children. Raising up financial inheritance, yes, it's a good, godly, honorable thing to do. But raising up a spiritual inheritance is so much greater. What are you passing on to your children? What are you passing on to your children's children? How are you unlocking their life and all of the gifts that God has for them? Because that is of a greater inheritance. You've heard me say before, I'll say it again, souls over stuff. Decide to live in pursuit in your life of things that will actually give you eternal reward. And the greatest of all of them is the everlasting fruit. Souls. The souls of our friends, the souls of our family, the souls of those around us. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said in verse 21, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Number three healing. 
This is my statement around healing. Even if. Even if. I'm believing for health in my body, for things that I, I need to happen. And I know that there's many people in the room. We prayed for people this morning. But being healed is also not the goal. Being saved is the goal. Because salvation leads to full health forevermore. The Bible says when we enter in, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering. Come on. All the tears will be wiped away. That first death is the gateway to no more issues in our bodies. It is a time to look forward to. So if we get healed, this is my own personal revelation, but my encouragement to you this morning, church, is if we get healed, awesome. If we don't, well, His grace is sufficient for now. For now. His grace is sufficient for us. Paul asked, oh God, can you take this thorn in my side away from me? Now, whatever that was, it doesn't really matter because Jesus responded that his grace is sufficient for Paul. Even if, you know, I don't understand it because I, I, I can't contain God within my mind and I don't understand why God heals sometimes and why he doesn't other times. Because even in my own life, I've prayed the prayer of faith. And I've seen instantaneous miracles happen on my own body and on other people's bodies. But I've prayed the prayer of faith, the same prayer, other times, and nothing has happened. And I question God, I ask God, why, 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 why? Now I think of the, the book of Job in the Bible. Yeah, he got 12 more children and a whole lot more stuff. But they weren't the first 12. You can't just replace children. Like, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, you've got more children, but, but they're not those children. You know, some of you know the story of my own younger brother passing away and going to heaven. Well, I can either decide to let that cause me to, to not have faith, or it can encourage me that he's already there where I'm going. <laughs> Come on. The resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. And I'll see him in but a moment in comparison to all that you and I have to live for. And even after that, I still pray the prayer of faith. And I've seen people be miraculously healed in an instant. And then other times I haven't. And yeah, the devil, <laughs> that annoying chihuahua, he comes in, yep, 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 yep. But I've got to decide to have a lifestyle of living it the way Jesus said to him. My encouragement is even if. Number four, something to help us with our heart. Forgiveness. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Church, that scares me a whole lot more than sin. Because God dealt with sin on the cross. 
And we can live a life that leads to repentance. But a life of unforgiveness, Jesus said, causes his father to not be able to forgive us. Forgiveness, why would Jesus make such a strong, bold statement around forgiveness? It doesn't benefit him. Remember, all the teachings of Jesus benefit only you and I. He is all complete within himself. So where is the benefit for us in this statement? Because forgiveness equals freedom. Forgiveness releases. Two quick things around forgiveness. This is a difficult topic. It's a difficult thing to sometimes do in your life. When you extend forgiveness, it does not denote access into one's life. But it frees the response, the reward, the consequence, the result, whatever it is, out of yours. Jesus asked us to forgive. Now, some stuff is pretty unforgivable. I agree. Some stuff is really hard to forgive. Forgiving someone does not mean you condone it, does not mean you agree with it. That's not what Jesus says. It releases the person from a debt that they cannot repay. Because a lot of unforgiveness, we harbor it for something that has happened to us in our past, and time, unfortunately, cannot be undone, and we cannot go back. That person cannot undo what they have done. You cannot undo what you have done. And so don't carry it, is what Jesus is saying. Don't carry it into your future. It's not agreeing with it. You don't have to give that person access back into your life. Whatever it looks like, the Holy Spirit will walk you through that journey, but they can't repay you. So that's what forgiveness does. It releases them of having to pay you back. And you give it over into God's hands and then begin to pray for that person because I know in my own life it has then developed at the beginning pity for that person, but that has then transferred into sadness for that person which has then transitioned me into loving that person. I believe it's the only way that Jesus could be hanging on the cross, making statements like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness equals freedom. It benefits us. My last point, wisdom. Decisions in life. Right now, your life is a culmination of all the decisions that you have made up until this point. All the big ones and all the small ones. All the things decided with someone, all the things decided without someone have resulted in who you are today. So making wise decisions is important because every little decision builds up to be who you are. It builds your life. Can I tell you that wisdom, I'm making a statement, a declaration, that wisdom is the new sexy. That's right. That's right. Hey, yes. Wisdom is the new sexy. Yes, it is. You want to be attractive? You want to live an attractive life? Live wisely. 
Live wisely among the people around you. Wisdom, base your decisions on the Word of God. Can I tell you that living like Jesus is just smart? It, it is my opinion that if you have to make a mistake, let it be a new mistake. You know, I really struggle with people, especially younger ones, when they tell me, no, Pastor Joe, I just want to experience life. It's like, well, <laughs> that's really good for you. But uh, if you experience too much of life, you're going to regret it. Look, if you have to make a mistake, make a mistake that hasn't been made. That's my theory. <laughs> it's like, make your own mistakes. No, that's dumb. That's not smart. Learn from those who have gone before you. Learn from the best. Learn from Jesus. Learn from the way Jesus told us to live. Because wisdom is the new sexy. Come on, it's attractive. You know, I, uh, I heard a story of this old man. Uh, he was 82. That's reasonably old. But he was still sharp and he was still kicking and he knew a thing or two. And he was going through, yes, I'm sorry, another story about a Macca's drive-thru. But he was going through Macca's and he was ordering his food. And look, he is old and he, he said that he was probably taking a little bit too long to order his food, but he couldn't make his mind up. And anyways, he's old. So he, he orders it and this lady behind him, whoa, she did not like waiting for her fast food. <laughs> She's mouthing out the window and using body parts to make interesting gestures and all those sorts of things that lovely people do. And, and, and anyways, he finally gets through and gets to the window and he tells the lady, oh, hey, look, I'd like to pay for my order and for the order behind me. What a good Christian thing to do. I like this guy already. And uh, he, he pays and the lady's like, wow, that's so kind of you. He just smiles and nods and drives forward next to the window. And behind, all of a sudden, now the lady, she's like, thank you, thank you, out the window, thank you. It's like, it's so, he just gives her a little wave. And uh, he's waiting at the next window and shows the lady both of his receipts. Says, oh, yes, I, I've ordered two meals. And uh, the lady gives him the food. And off he goes. <laughs> he drives off and he's like, oh, she's going to have to go back around and line up again. He said the moral of the story is don't mess with old people because they know a thing or two. They've been around the block. How good is that? Pastor Ron, leave Jack alone. He's a wise young man. Jesus is the only way. Can I get the band to come up, please? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14, Jesus said this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Church, the road is narrow, it's difficult, that gateway can I tell you that Jesus is the way? It is easier with Jesus. Live like Jesus. If you've been wandering away, come back to Jesus. If you've started to be rocked by what's going on in the world around us, come back to Jesus. If you've been questioning your faith, come back to Jesus. Because He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
He has the best for you. He has the best in mind for you for now, for the rest of your time here on earth and for all time to come. My encouragement is this. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus told us that there is a thief and that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Come on, if something's going wrong in your life, it's not God. God might be allowing it to get your attention so that you stop living the way you're living. But that's because He's a good God, because He's a good dad, because He doesn't want you to be blessed living that lifestyle so that you come to your senses and realize that there is another way. Because you and I have a real enemy. And He doesn't just hate you because you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian here today, He hates you too, because you're a human being. The enemy hates humans because God loves them. You and I have an enemy that's after us that wants to rob and steal and kill and destroy. So as you think stuff is going on in your life, this is being robbed from me or or, or my future is being killed or why is this being destroyed? Can I tell you, come on, the devil's at work. You've got an enemy. It's time to fight. Don't blame God. Blame the enemy if you have to blame someone because it's probably a little bit of blame on you too, but that's okay. Because look at what Jesus says. I have come that they may have life. I've come to give them life and to give it abundantly. Come on, He's come to give you life. He's come to give you your salvation, but not just salvation. He has come that you can have an abundant life, that you can have more than enough that you can have more than enough that you need so that you can be blessed to be a blessing, that you can shine like Jesus, judge like Jesus, love like Jesus, lead like Jesus, and live like Jesus. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Come on. He's awesome, isn't he? Come on, when we live life the way Jesus tells us to, it benefits us and it benefits those around us. Come on, can we just worship?